If you're looking for a quality Kickstarter marketing specialist, I recommend the folks over at Next Level Web. They charge flat fees with an easy monthly agreement and they get serious results. Their goal is to get you funded on day one and their rate of success for that is above 90%, regardless if you're a veteran or a first-time creator. As a client myself, I can personally attest to their quality as they have helped me raise tens of thousands of dollars for my own projects. So if your email list looks pitiful, but your game is awesome, head on over to nextlevelweb.com kickstarter and take your marketing to the next level. Hosting for the Board Game Design Lab podcast is sponsored by Quartermaster Logistics, the leader in crowdfunding fulfillment and warehousing. Check them out at qmlogistics.com. Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab podcast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Each week, we want to bring you an insightful interview on a specific topic in board game design to help you design and create games people love. And now, here's your host, Gabe Barrett. What's up, my friends? Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab. Today, we're going next generation. We're talking about what does it look like to bring in new gamers, new players, new game designers? How do you reach out to younger folk? I'm only 34, but it doesn't matter. Like, There's still so many amazing young people coming into the hobby, and how do we get more of them into it? And we're talking to Lucas Sosnick from Green Street Games. Lucas, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, man, really excited to talk to you. Your guy I met a while back. Um, you actually hired me to consult on yep. a project you've been working on, and it's actually on Kickstarter right now. It's really cool from my perspective to see it go from idea all the way to now Kickstarter, you know, live, and people can buy it as an actual product. Such a such a cool thing. Congrats on thank that. You, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, and and your guy. How old are you? Uh, I'm 17, so half your age right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just rub it in. Just rub it in. Right? Uh, yeah, so 17 years old. But a game designer and a person that now has a game on Kickstarter, like not just a person dabbling, not just someone making you know knockoffs of Monopoly, but actually getting into the, the hobby game side of things with real designs, real games, real products. And so, yeah, I'm just pumped to kind of hear your perspective and see how things have changed from not that long ago because the Internet, things change so rapidly. And uh, just mm. to get a better understanding, especially for those that are a little older than me that listen to this show that are probably interested in how to bring in more gamers and maybe more designers that are a little bit younger than they are. But before we get into it, who are you? How'd you get into game design? All that kind of thing. Hi, my name is Lucas Sosnick. I'm 17 years old. I grew up in New York City and I've been a gamer since as long as I can remember. I started out with Hearthstone and Minecraft, two of my favorite games. Um, and from there, I've just played pretty much every single game you can think about. From MOBAs to fighting games to FPSs, um, I'm a huge fan of games and the way they bring people together um, and the memories that can be made. So, yeah, super excited to be here. Yeah, man. And your your story, your kind of background is very similar to a lot of young people I know. It's very similar to my kids that love playing Minecraft and they love creating in that digital space. They love interacting with the world and, and they love playing games. And so tell me, though, what drew you to board games? Because I feel like a lot of young people nowadays, video games are all they, they need, it seems like. And so mm. what drew you more towards board games, you know, not necessarily away from video games, but in addition to? Yeah, so um, I feel like a lot of my friends and a lot of uh, youngsters who play video games are stuck to their screens, you know, glued to their screens, think that the only way to have fun through a game is through a video game. Um now to that, I say there are actually more ways to have fun than just a video game. Um, specifically, card games, board games, games that really allow you to 
spend time with people outside of the screen and make a, a more physical connection rather than you know a connection with you and the screen that you're 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 staring at. Um, and I feel like there's a lot of power in that. Um, you know, I feel like especially in this digital generation, where we're we're losing a big port, a big chunk of that face-to-face -face conversation that um, is super, uh, super important, I feel. Um, and I think card games allow us to, to card games are an outlet, outlet to bring us together in that way. Yeah, for sure. Now it's interesting. Like I'm not that old, but I, I remember before the internet, like I remember when that wasn't a thing, when, especially when social media wasn't a thing. I mean, that's not that old at all. Mm. And so it's so interesting that now you have these young people coming up and especially like at the school where I work and these kids have no concept at all of life without the internet of life, without this digital environment. And it's so interesting just to kind of see how kids interact and how things have changed from not that long ago. And so what would be your advice as far as like getting them to see board games, to see card games as a, as an option, right. To get away from the screen. How, how should I encourage them down that path? Mm, that's a good question. Um, well, I feel like for one, the different, the, the major difference between board games and card games, uh, to online games is staring at a screen and you know not being able to see the person so i feel like if we start to emphasize um the the fact that both board games and or board games slash card games and online games allow you to still experience that fun and still experience those crazy moments you know uh when you when you win the game for your team or you make an insane outplay that everyone just goes crazy um, like those things are still possible and sometimes they're even better in person. Um, so I, th I feel like that's a great way to really bring, um, a lot of kids in my generation to the more tabletop genre rather than, you know, the, the online, uh, online, rather than, you know, sticking with online games. Yeah, that's a really good point. I feel like also it's just the invitation in general. Right. Just saying, hey, do you want to play? Hey, do you want to join the gaming club? Hey, do you want to play a, a game? I'm, I'm just figuring out. I just picked up at the game store down the street. You want to you play a game? Just the invitation alone might be enough to get somebody to actually mm. uh, want to sit down and play the game. I feel like a lot of times older folks just kind of throw up their hands and they go, oh, well, you know, these young kids, they, they don't know how good they have. And they just kind of like write kids off and don't even right. try. They don't, they don't even invite. And so tell me about your experience. Like, who was the person, how did the invitation go to get you into maybe Magic the Gathering or some of these other games that are not digital? Yeah, so I think the first time I played Magic was like a long time ago, maybe in like um, third grade or something. One of my friends brought a Magic card and I thought it looked really cool. And I knew nothing about the game, um, but I thought the cards looked really cool. And I was like, maybe I'll try this, you know, maybe it's fun. And so from then on, my brother and I played Magic a lot together, and we used to invite friends over, and we would have, like, Magic competitions and, and Magic tournaments. And um, after that, at my camp, actually, was where I got more into card games and board games. One of my friends introduced me to Exploding Kittens, which I know is super popular. And I feel like games like that, like, like really easy to get into card games, are perfect to um, bring new players into the board game community. Um, and I felt like... Uh, it was super fun to be able to, to play a game with someone and, and not having to stare at a screen, but really making a physical connection with the person and really being, being able to like talk with them um, and, you know, congratulate them on a nice move or uh, just, you know, have a conversation rather than just, you know, playing the game on the screen. Um, 
And I felt like that was a huge, a really interesting way to, to, to have fun and a really interesting way to enjoy games. Right. And, you know, Exploding Kittens is such an interesting game to bring up in this context because a lot of times as gamers that are like heavy into games or as game designers, a lot of times we look down our nose. Like we, we judge games as simple and quote unquote childish and random and lucky or whatever as a game like mm. Exploding Kittens. And I think a lot of times people don't realize how much they limit new people coming in because they're saying, oh, that's not actually a good game. Or, you know, we, we kind of have this this air of, of being better than other people because we know about all the latest and greatest and all the games coming out. We've played them all and all this and that, and we get all these games on our shelves. And I feel like a lot of times we don't realize how uh, toxic that can be. And so have you ever run into that where, even as a person that kind of is, is aware of, of games and the hobby and things like that, where other people maybe felt like they uh, they knew a little more than you because you're just some, some dumb kid? Or you, have you ever run into that situation? So yeah, I feel like 100%. That's that sort of toxic atmosphere has definitely been present, um, at least at some points of of my board game design career. Um, not a lot, but it's definitely been present. Um, and I feel like that's not very beneficial to bring new people into the board game community. You know, I feel like these games like Exploding Kittens and other other games that are super easy to get into, sort of like the uh, the filler games, have a lot of potential in bringing these new players in because one, they're easy to learn, and two, they're just they're fun, plain and simple. They might not introduce some crazy new mechanic or some crazy new way to play the game or some you know super intricate artwork. But then again, what is a game about? It's about having fun, and if that's small a filler card game can bring someone into the board game community and maybe you know a year later like uh, a couple months later that person becomes uh into the more advanced you know veteran board games then you know why does it matter what 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 card game or board game they started out with you know shouldn't we be celebrating those card games that bring them into the community yeah that's an excellent point i mean when exploding kittens was on kickstarter I mean, it sold tens and tens and tens of thousands of copies and made millions of dollars and brought a ridiculous number of new people onto the Kickstarter platform and into the hobby in general that is the games. But yet I saw so many people uh, online and Facebook groups and things like that with just such a negative uh, opinion and all these negative comments about the game. And I think getting back to what you were just saying, they missed the forest for the trees. They missed the point. The point is mm-hmm. to have fun. Is this a game that people enjoy? Is it a game that brings people in to sit around a table and laugh and, you know, just have an enjoyable time? And then nine times out of 10, that's going to lead to more. Like, I know very few people who bought one board game and then that was it. It's like eating one Pringle. Like, it just doesn't (laughs) happen, you know? And so lots of people come in, they buy a game or two and they go, this is fun, this is interesting. And all of a sudden the entire board game world has opened up. And then by the end of the year, they have a whole shelf full of games. And so I think we should do anything we can to support new people coming in and, and just be kind and just be nice. I feel like 100%. that's... 100%. Yeah. Yeah. 1,000%. Oh, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. But let's, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about the game design side of things. So like what brought you in to want to actually design games? Yeah. So I feel like um, one thing that really attracted me to the game design was the creativity involved because I feel like there's so many ways to to make your game feel new and exciting and, and really reflect who you are as a, as a designer, but also the problem solving aspect. Um, I'm a huge fan of, of problem solving, huge fan of like um, science, and I feel like this sort of problem solving skill is super important in the field of science. And um, I feel that, um, yeah, so with, with problem solving, I, there's so many ways to, 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 to problem solve in board games. You know, let's say you have a certain 
mechanic that you want to fix or, or the game's not balanced. Uh, you have to think outside the box to really um, fix those problems. Um, and moving back to the, the thing I was talking about with science, uh, me personally, I am a huge fan of chemistry. I've been um, learning chemistry, or the first time I think I learned chemistry was in 10th grade. And with chemistry, I felt like there, there's actually a similarity between board games and chemistry. And I feel that um, chemistry offers me the opportunity to, to problem solve and think outside the box because it's a very creative subject, despite what most people might think. And on the, by the same token, board game design is like, there is so much problem solving, so much creativity involved that I feel like everyone could benefit uh, as, as a practice, like, like to, to, to practice their problem solving skills, to practice their creativity by creating a board game of their own. I feel like the skills that you learn in board games are also applicable to, to, to many other, other fields as well. So, yeah. Yeah, I 100% agree. It's one of the reasons I really encourage young people to get into games, whether it's game design or also like RPGs, where you just kind of have to come up with creative ideas to overcome the obstacle, to win the combat, whatever it is. I think RPGs are excellent, but it's, it's problem solving. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times we're, in a lot of ways, we're doing school uh, the same as we did 100 years ago. Well, the world is different now. It's very, very different. And the world of the future is going to require some amazing problem solvers to come and, and figure things out because there's a lot of issues coming up that we don't have solutions to right now. And it's going to mm. take a lot of really amazing problem solving uh, to, to figure it out. And I think games, like you're saying, are a great way to work that muscle and to figure things out in a very safe and small environment. You know, you're, it's, yeah. if you can't figure out your dice mechanic, it's not like, you know, you lose your family or something terrible happens. Like, it's just very a very safe uh, environment to do it. And I think with young people, that's it's such an important skill for them uh, to learn. So what would, what would be your encouragement for young people? Maybe this is something that some young person is going to happen across this podcast, or maybe there's someone listening to this that can share an encouraging word to some young people about game design. What would you say? What would you say to encourage more young people to get in uh, to this side of things? You know, board game design and designing games of, of all sorts. Uh, the beauty, in, the beauty in, in designing a board game is that, you know, the, the, the possibilities are, are endless, you know? So whatever, whatever you think of, you can bring to paper, you can bring to cards, you can bring to the, 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 the game itself. And I feel like there's a lot of power in that, you know? So don't be, don't be misdirected or, or, or turned off by the fact that it seems like a daunting task to create such a huge and intricate world um, that people could play in. Because I feel like that's one of the most exciting parts of creating a game. You know, bring people together through your own vision. You know, taking your own vision, putting it out on paper, uh, paper and cardboard, per se, and allowing others to experience that vision. Um, I think it's similar to, you know, a movie or a TV show where you're creating your own idea and putting it out to the big screen for other people to experience. Except the only difference is that here it's a game and you're trying to have other people to experience the fun and um, engage in the world that you've created. So it is possible. And I think that, you know, if you're, if you're a young board game designer who might be a little hesitant to start because it seems like such a, a challenging task, I say go for it, you know? It's, it's, it's a fantastic experience and you'll, you'll learn so much from it. From problem solving to creativity, it's a great experience and these skills can help you uh, throughout your life. Yeah, absolutely. Now, one thing you mentioned a second ago was basically how overwhelming it can be to design a game. And so what would be your advice there? Or, or what are some resources that will maybe make it easier or, or different things you found along the way to kind of help you? Because like, like I said, you've got a game that's going start to finish and now it's a, a, about to be a real product that, that people can buy. And so what would be your advice as far as like not getting overwhelmed or resources that can help people out? Yeah, so 
for resources, I think that uh, one of the best ways to learn about game design and games in general is just to play them. Honestly, you could look up like board games that are interesting to you, like maybe in the sci- sci-fi genre or card games or something a little bit easier to get into and start from there. And to be honest, it's like not all the time, not not always do you have to play with people to understand the, the beauty behind some of these board games. You know, I feel like there's power in just reading the rules and just seeing how the how the uh, different different figurines and different cards are designed so that they help the player to enjoy the game. Um, one research, one resource that I used was uh, Stonemeyer Games. There's a really good blog to help with Kickstarter um, because I was a complete noob to Kickstarter, so I was just looking for ways to to learn more about Kickstarter and, and the whole process. Um, but yeah, like I said, I feel like to to get a game to Kickstarter. Uh, it's it's really important to get a to get an idea of what the board game community is about and what board games are successful and why. And the way you do that is just by either playing them or, or get buying them for yourself and, and going through the rule book, going through the uh, the cards, going through um, every aspect of those games, even the box art that attracted you to to buying that game. You know that made you feel like I was a part of this world and that I'm having fun. Yeah, definitely. And I think just being intentional. And this goes with with anything. I remember when I was in high school and trying to become a better football player, whenever I would watch an NFL game or a college game, you know, I would watch it for the fun of it and, you know, hope my team scores and hope we win and, you know, watch the ball and stuff like that. But for the most part, honestly, I would watch the position I wanted to play. So a a guy that would line up in the slot as a wide receiver kind of against a linebacker that's off the ball, I would watch that guy. And I wouldn't even really pay attention to the ball. You know, when it was snapped, I would just watch that person. And how did he run his routes? How did he hold his hands? How did he mm. make the block? How did he make the catch? Like, I just watched that over and over and over again because I was trying to figure out, well, how do I do that? How do I get better at it? And so I think if you're going to be a game designer, that you know, go into, go into playing games with that intentionality at heart of, okay, why did, why did the designer do this? Ooh, why does this mechanism work that way? Ooh, this is kind of odd to me. I'm curious about that. But, but it's not just to play the game. You're almost like playing it like a researcher versus just playing it like a player. And so I think that can right. also be super, uh, super helpful. Another thing is, you know, a lot of people would tell you to learn and then do. But I don't agree with that. I think do and learn as you go. I think, I think doing is the best teacher. You're going to fail a lot, but that's fine. You're going to learn from that. And so I think just get out there and figure things out. I know you have done that a lot with, with your own game designing and things like that. So actually, let's, let's talk about that a little bit. Tell me about maybe some of the games you designed early on and the things you were learning, kind of figuring things out and how they helped you to get where you are now, which even though it's not been that long, uh, you've still, I've, I've been able to personally watch you grow and become a better designer. So tell me about kind of starting out and kind of bumping into things and, and figuring it out along the way. When I first started this game, the I think the thing that, 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 actually made me want to start a game myself was I was having dinner with my mom one night in quarantine, right? I had nothing to do. I was playing video games nonstop. And I was like, um, why don't we play a board game or, or why don't we play a card game? And so we pulled out Exploding Kittens and we played together and it was super fun. Uh, and from then on, I started trying to design my own game. Um, the first iteration was uh, something like uh, a player controlled a virus and the other players controlled world leaders. And the goal of the game was for the world leaders to work together to defeat the virus. And the virus's goal was to eradicate the world leaders. Now, the game from that point has made many leaps and strides in terms of mechanics, um, in terms of uh, you know game design and theme. Um, it went from 
the name Quarantine to the name uh, to the to the to what it is now called Crisis on Cardea. Um, and I feel like the 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 things that really changed between these both iterations of the game were that one I shifted toward towards a more scientific fiction um, theme with that you know Cardea aspect because Cardea is a distant planet. Um, it's humanity's last colony, and it's filled with pathogens um, and diseases. And the goal of the game is basically to build a team of Cardeans, right, that each have their own unique job. So maybe some, one, one might have a virologist or one might have epidemiologist. Um, and you have to assemble a team to eradicate or resolve these outbreaks. Um, and the person or the player who resolves the most, or the, the player who resolves the outbreaks that get them to a point value of at least 10 wins the game. Now, one of the things that I, that I felt really um, allowed me to be creative and allowed me to you know push the bounds of what, what I was creating before was making this a more scientific fiction game because I always I love sci-fi and I thought it was really fun to create a world of my own and um, explore that world through game design, graphic design, and the game's mechanics. Um, and I also felt that uh, w w one of the things that I changed was making the game easier to learn, um, you know, more beginner friendly because the game is aimed at veteran board gamers, but also friends and family alike. Because I want to, you know, offer a game that allows everyone to enjoy rather than just a select group of people. And yeah, I, f I feel that, you know, the, the game changed so much over the course of, of the pandemic, over the course of the, the, the year, I think over a year and a half actually, um, to where it is now. So, right, and it's such an interesting concept to think about. Like, what do people design, and why? And like, you were in the middle of quarantine, and so it kind of makes sense that you would design a game around that and around viruses and around because that's kind of what's on your mind. Uh, I, yeah. I interviewed a designer recently named Fortessa, and she grew up playing a ton of trick-taking games and loved spades and, and those kind of games. And so when she started designing games uh, you know, not that long ago, that was one of the main things she wanted to design is, is trick-taking games, similar to what she grew up enjoying and the, the family experiences that, that she remembers so fondly. And unfortunately for her, several people kind of discouraged that. They said, well, don't don't make trick-taking games. There's so many on the market already, and they're not any good, and this, that, and you know, they discouraged her. And I can imagine, and I don't know if this happened, but I assume that there were some people that said, oh, don't make a game about the viruses and quarantine yep. and, and all this kind of stuff. And I think that's just so, it's toxic. And now, if you have a really, really good relationship with somebody, and you know them really well, and, and they trust you and all that, and you want to have a very serious conversation, and you think they're traveling down a, a path that's going to be a waste of time, whatever, okay, fine. But in general, I think if someone is passionate and they're excited about a creative idea, you should encourage that as best you can. And now maybe offer advice and offer warnings and different things like that. But just to say, hey, how can I help you, uh, you know, travel down this road of creativity? And it's been really cool to see you travel down this road. And let's, let's actually talk about support networks. Uh, I know with Fortessa, she had some good people, luckily, around her that said, no, no, this is, this is a good game. Keep traveling down this road. Let's figure it out. It's going to be fun. So tell me about your support network and how they have supported you. Who are they? How they've supported you and, and what other people can learn as far as how to support other people. Yeah. So um, first and foremost, I think the, the people that have supported me the most are definitely my parents. They, they've helped me and they've, you know, um, encourage me to pursue this, uh, where I think a lot of parents maybe might be a little uh, hesitant because, you know, they don't know too much about the board, uh, about board game design or the board game industry or Kickstarter in general. So I'm super thankful for that. Um, two other people who have helped me tremendously are 
Olivier Miller and Dina Ramsey. Olivier Miller was someone or is someone that helped as a project manager manager of sorts, um, helping with the the game design and graph design and a little bit of the rules. Um, and Dina Ramsey helped with the marketing and, and Kickstarter marketing. So um, you know, I have to give credit where credit's due. I you know the the game and and bringing the game to Kickstarter wasn't all me. You know, I had a lot of help from other people, and I don't think I could have done it without their help. So I think that you know it's okay to reach for help, and it's actually it's it's super uh, beneficial. And I feel like ways that you can help um, up and coming board game designers are you know hear their thoughts, play test their game, uh, and yeah. Right. And, and just offering overall encouragement. I mean, it goes so so far. Yeah. Just to say, hey, that's a really cool idea. Um, keep going. <laughs> you can do this. Uh, I believe in you. You know, those little things go a long, long way, especially with young people, but any, anybody in general. But uh, let's let me ask you this. Why? Why go this far with it? I know a lot of young people, a lot of people in their 20s, even in their 30s and 40s that love designing games because it's fun and enjoyable and it's a nice little way to spend some time. It's a hobby. Why have you desi- decided to actually turn it into a product and, and start a business and go to Kickstarter and raise money and deal with logistics and all the shipping and manufacturing? Like, There's so much to do with all the different moving parts of getting a game to the market. Why? What, what made you want to do that, especially at 17, when you could literally be doing anything else? Yeah, that's so basically I love a challenge and I feel like there's no greater challenge than, you know, starting a business or, or bringing a product to market, um, you know, from production to game design to designing the, the graphic design um, to, uh, you know, all the, all, the, all, the, all the moving parts of Kickstarter really interested me because I actually want to start my own company when I get older. Um, and I felt like this would be a really good way to... Uh, engage in that field of, of bringing something to market. I also feel that it's uh, fun. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a way to really uh, test your creativity. You know, game design obviously is a way to test your creativity, but bringing a game to Kickstarter is super creative. You know, you can do so many things. You can be innovative. You can uh, change the way you market your game depending on if it's science fiction or more fantasy uh, based. And I feel that you know, that's, that's a super fun thing to do. And I, I didn't want to go directly to a uh, publisher because I really wanted to, to, to live that experience of starting a game right from the, the print and play form to bring it to Kickstarter and, you know, having all the graphic design set up, all the, all the graphics on the Kickstarter set up and really um, being proud of a, of a, of a, of a product I've worked so long to, to get to market. Yeah, very cool. What are some of the main things you've been learning in this process? Some of the things that I've really learned from this process would be that, I guess, one, you can't please everyone. You know, there's always going to be some things that people like and, and some some things that people don't like, which is okay. And I think those ad- disagreements are healthy and important in game design and designing anything, really. Um, another thing would be the possibilities are almost endless, you know, because you, you create the world, you create the mechanics, you create the, 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 um, the Kickstarter, you create the, the, you know, you can control the marketing for the game. So I feel like there's a lot of, a lot of creativity that can be involved in that. Um, and that's a, that's a beautiful part of bringing a product to market, the whole game design, uh, yeah, bringing a product to market and making a game. 
as far as like resources or anything, like looking back and kind of things that you had to figure out or learn or, or maybe made a mistake and then like, oh man, I wish I'd known something different there. Is there anything that you wish had existed or any resources that maybe you maybe do exist, you just didn't know about anything like that that you, you think would have made your designing or production, like product management or marketing, any of that stuff a little bit easier? One thing that, that would be really helpful, I mean, I know these things exist, but maybe just um, a, a, a bigger version of this is Discord, you know, board game design discords. I feel like a lot of these board game design discords are small, close-knit communities. Um, I feel like, you know, there, there could be bigger, bigger discords that allow new, new uh, game designers to um, ask questions and play test their game with people. Um, and this is something that has actually helped me. I've asked questions in some board game design discords and, um, you know, looked at their other people's art and looked at, you know, what they were doing to, to change a mechanic or to balance the game and maybe drew inspiration off that. So I think Discord's a huge, hugely helpful resource that is, you know, can, can be really um, beneficial to new board game designers. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think Facebook and, and other social media platforms, they do a good job at what they do, but that's not really conducive for this kind of stuff necessarily. Uh, yeah, Discord is probably a, a little bit better way to do things. I know when I started up BGDL Plus uh, a few months ago, that was kind of the, the goal there is like to provide a place for p designers to come in that you have all sorts of, of other things that don't really work well on Facebook. And it's also, you don't have to have your drunk uncle like you do on Facebook, you know, like to get away from some of those other things. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so, yeah, it, you make a, a really uh, a good point there as far as like, what questions did you have early on? So from the perspective of, you know, someone's listening to this and, and they know maybe some young people, maybe they've got some young kids or young people in their family. Uh, as far as like starting up conversations and whatnot, what were some of the main questions that you had early on that you had to go out and just kind of figure out how do I do this? How do I do that? Whether it relates to design or Kickstarter, marketing, business, any of those things, what were some of your big questions early on? So I think that one of the, one of the, one of the biggest questions uh, throughout designing the game was balance. And how do I make a game fun for every player that's playing it? Um, and I did so much research trying to find ways to, to change actions on cards or change the, the way the game plays or maybe you know change hand limits, um, number of players who played the game, uh, you know, change the way that cards are drawn and, and all, et cetera, et cetera. And I feel that, you know, I did so much research that at a certain point, I just went with what felt right. Because at that point, I've, I learned so much about card card game design and, and balancing a game that um, I went with my gut. And it was like, this feels fun. This works. This 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 fits the, the, the idea that I want. And um, in the end, I think, it, you know, it, it was super helpful. You know, I don't think it's important just to focus on tiny little details or, or, or tiny uh, bits of information that you get from doing all this research, but the collective uh, knowledge that you've gained. And I feel like that was instrumental in helping me create a, a balanced game that's fun for all players. Gotcha. Now, when it comes to playing your game with other people that are your age or similar to your age, tell me about that experience. Have you had any interesting moments where you were playing a game and then some people like realize or figure out that, Oh, like, Oh, you designed this and like anything like that. When I, when I first started the Instagram and started the, the you know, build the website and, and all the card art and everything. Um, I got a lot of text messages and a lot of Snapchat messages from my friends actually. And like, wow, you created this. This is so cool. You know, I love the idea of, of this game and, and what it's, what it's supposed to do and, and, you know, the goals behind it. 
And I feel like, you know, that's a great way to, to connect with an, another great way, actually, to connect with my generation and, you know, bring them into board gaming and, and the, the board game community. Right. And it, it's across the board, no matter what we're talking about, really, is when someone can look into a space and see other people like them, they go, oh, I guess I could be part of that, too. I think that's just a natural yeah. thing. You go, oh, maybe maybe me, too, as opposed to looking at it. And there's no one like you at all, whether it's your age, your, your gender, your your body type, like whatever it is. If you look into a space and go, wow, there's nobody like me over there, <laughs> then it's kind of hard to put yourself over there because like, well, and uh, and I know, especially with this next generation, you know, people your age and, and younger and a little bit older, too. Uh, diversity is such an important thing. Representation is such an important thing. I know that's something that you're trying to really have in, in your card art, making sure that there's lots of different kinds of people and different you know looks and different things like that. So tell me about that. And uh, like, is that something super important? Am, am I am I judging that correctly? And then also, what are some of the other things that are really important to uh, your your generation? Yeah. So you hit the nail on the head right there. And I think that, yes, diversity is super important, especially to my generation. Um, and which is why one of the things that I'm doing with this game is actually, um, you know, creating the characters, which are called Cardans, um, you know, very diverse and allowing uh, or creating characters that are of all different races and ethnicities and, you know, different gender types um, so that people feel like they could, uh, you know, you know, feel as if they have a connection to the Cardans and feel like it's not just a bunch of white dudes that are, you know, saving the planet like a bunch of movies from like the nineties or whatever, or like oh, the, the olden days, I think used to portray, but that there's like everyone from all different shapes and sizes, all different types of people are, can, could be Cardanes and save the world. Um, another thing that I oh, wanted to focus on with this game is actually bring an educational aspect to it. So for every Cardan card that you get, um, it's going to say like what the type of card it is. So it's like maybe a virologist. Um, and if it's, let's say you get the virologist, for example, what you'll be able to do is scan it in, in a QR code like fashion, which will bring you to a website that includes a bunch of facts and details about that job. So you can learn more about that. And maybe you're interested in being a virologist, or maybe you're interested in being a, a, a nurse or, or some, one of the jobs that the Cardanes, um, have to, to help eradicate these outbreaks you can simply take your camera and scan the card and it'll bring you to the website and you can learn all, all about it um, we'll have a bunch of we have a bunch of stuff to explain you know wh what is this job the importance of this job on cardea and you know where to learn more about the job if you're interested so yeah those two things diversity and uh the educational aspect were really important to me when creating this game yeah, very cool. First of all, I want to point out the fact that you just called the 90s the olden days, and so appreciate that. But uh, another thing that your your game is doing, if, if if I remember correctly, is that you're donating a certain number of copies or a certain money or something like that. You're, you're making a donation based on every copy sold. Mm, yeah. Is that also something that young people really value? It, it seems to be the case, at, at least. like They really want to make sure that they're having a good impact on the world, whether it's through the environment or, or through some kind of social good or something like that. So is that also kind of play into this? Yeah, so... I, I wanted to include some sort of charitable aspect to this game, but I didn't want to do the, the, the cliche, uh, you know, we're donating 10% of the, of our, of our, of our earnings to, to this foundation or something. I wanted to be a little bit more interesting with it, um, which is why for every game that I'm selling on Kickstarter, uh, one will be donated to a public school library, um, et cetera, of the, the choice of the backer. 
um, and you can choose wherever you want it to go to, or you can donate it to a public school in my area. So we're giving backers the option to do so, to do that. Um, and yeah, I, that's that's another thing that's super important to me in, in creating this game is to give back to the community. You know, especially because this game is is so heavily influenced by the pandemic. I really wanted a way to to help educate people uh, and you know give back to the community. Yeah, it's just something to keep in mind that a lot of young people aren't as much worried about profits as they are about impact yeah. and what you know kind of impact somebody is making or a company is making uh, on the world. So it's definitely something to take into account. And then that, that doesn't mean that every time you sell a product, you have to plant trees or whatever, but it's just something to keep uh, in mind okay. that this is something that's very important to the next uh, generation. Anything else, anything else that stands out either in the designing or the playtest or anything like that as, as far as like as a young person, you know, dealing with this scenario or anything else that somebody could take away from it? Yeah, sure. So as a young person, I feel that giving back to the community is something that a lot of us want to do, you know, not just about profits and not just about, you know, doing the, what I think to be cliche, you know, giving 10% or 5% of the, of the, the, uh, the earnings to a specific charity or something like that, which is a very noble thing to do. But I think that there's a lot of other ways to give back to the community and add a charitable, a charitable aspect to a Kickstarter campaign or a game that, that separate it from, from other Kickstarters or separate it from what is considered the norm in the market. Um, so I'd encourage people to, 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 to think outside the box, you know, find ways to um, impact communities in a positive way that reflect who you are and reflect what your what your goals are for either game designer or another product. Right. And this is actually something I was just thinking how interesting it is to have more young people in the space, because honestly, you don't need to make as much of a profit as somebody who's 40 with a mortgage and kids and payments and loans. You know, you don't you don't have to make as much profit because you don't have as many responsibilities like we should be encouraging as many young people to get into creative creative uh, spaces and industries and, and whatever is possible, because now is the best time to take risks, to not worry so much about failure. Like if a person who's 40 with a mortgage and this is their business and they do a big project and it fails, like that's, that's a serious issue. Like all of a sudden, maybe they can't make their, their mortgage payments or all of a sudden, you know, they got to start figuring out what they're going to do and maybe pick up a second job or something like that. Cause you know, this business that they were running, it flopped mm. and okay, now what? But when you're 17, when you're 20, 25, like, well, unless you have a ton of student loans, that's a whole nother thing. But um, in theory, you have the best opportunity to take risks, not worry as much about profits, explore, innovate, figure things out, try to make a big impact on the world. Like that's the best time to do it. And so I think that's another reason why we should just be uh, encouraging as many young people as possible to get into business, entrepreneurship, uh, games and creativity and art and writing and all sorts of stuff, because that's like the best time. Now, maybe it's a little more challenging because you don't have as much wisdom, you don't have as much experience. And so like, True. there also needs to be some mentors and needs to be some people to come alongside and say, hey, here's what I did. Here's what works. Do you have any questions? And here, I'll kind of help walk you through some of these ideas. But then that, that tension of the young person and the older person, the, the mentee and the mentor, like it's just a, a better system. I read a quote one time. It said, you can measure the strength of a society by how many old people plant trees they'll never sit under. And I think that's a, a beautiful way to look at it, right? How many older folks are pouring back into the next generation, the younger generation, even though they know they're not ever going to see the fruit of it because they'll probably be, be gone by the time it really comes to fruition. And I just think that's something, uh, no matter what you're in, especially in creativity or design or something like that, to uh, just be thinking about it, no matter where you are 
as far as the age spectrum, whether you're from the olden days of the 90s or <laughs> or not, right? That's just something to, uh, to be aware of. Yeah. But, uh, let me ask you this. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just saying, yeah, that's another reason that like uh, as to why, you know, I think board game designers should should start young or like we should encourage young people to start designing board games. You know, there's a lot of power in, in, in uh, that young age because you're super creative. You, 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 you can explore and you, it, the possibilities really do feel endless, you know? So I really encourage a lot of young people to, to start board game design or at least just start playing board games and, and, and you know, getting into the, the community. Yeah, for sure. So What's next? Where do you go from here? Or do you have more games that you're working on that you want to publish multiple games? Is this kind of a one and done? I want to see what's next. What are my opportunities? What are my options? Tell me, tell me what's next. Yeah, so I've actually thought about some expansions, but I don't know, you know, I have to do a little bit more thinking of that to, to say a definitive answer. Um, but aside from that, there's actually another game that I've been thinking about creating, which is more focused on organic chemistry. Because uh, like I said before, I'm a huge fan of chemistry and i think that uh organic chemistry is one of the most interesting subjects that i've learned in school um and i, I want to create a game maybe to help alleviate how hesitant people might be to to start learning it because it seems like such a daunting subject it seems like such an advanced and such a you know like what what, what even is organic chemistry about you know it seems like such a uh, it seems like a subject that um people consider to be one of the hardest in college but you know if you if you help educate people through a game uh, and make maybe some goofy characters like, I don't know, the, the molecule of caffeine look like coffee or something like that. You know, that might help people to learn more about such an advanced subject. Um, one other game that I think that I've thought about making uh, would be maybe a little bit uh, more music focused because my favorite genre of music is actually jazz. And I thought about creating a game that focuses on jazz, maybe about historical jazz figures and and you know, maybe show highlights of different instruments or different time periods in jazz history that, you know, made jazz what it is. But yeah, so far, those are my ideas, you know, jazz, organic chemistry, my two passions and, and trying to trying to create games based around those that help educate people. You know, instead of just being fun, I also want to create games that that help that help people to learn about these these subjects. Very cool. I mean, what would be your uh, your closing thoughts? So, like, what would you say to someone as an encouragement that uh, maybe is trying to reach out to the next generation, trying to reach out to people a little bit younger or a lot younger than them? What would you say to encourage them? It's always good to think outside the box. I feel like um, younger people love to to see something new and, and innovative and exciting. You know, if if you really highlight that that exciting aspect of your board game or, or card game and say, oh, this is new, we're, we're, we're creating something different. Um, I feel like that's going to attract a lot of uh, new people. Also, I, I feel that just maybe maybe relating it to them, you know, maybe creating marketing posts that that uh, they could enjoy, you know, memes that, that are in their culture, you know, different, different artists that they listen to. I know a lot of people in the young generation listen to uh, music that's much different from people who are like 60 or 70. So maybe you could connect uh, to the younger generation through um, their music or their style or, um, you know, just culture in general. I, f I feel like the, there, there's a lot of ways to connect and it's just about um, asking them and, 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 you know, staying up to date with all the, all the, all the new things that young people are doing these days. Gotcha. Lucas, this has been excellent. We've uh, talked about it a little bit, but you've got Crisis on Cardea on Kickstarter right now. Give me like the two-minute elevator pitch for why people should check that one out. 
Yeah, so um, Crisis on Cardea is a new card game for two to five players, and uh, it's basically a combination of set collection, sequence matching, and deck building. Um, the goal of the game is to assemble a team of Cardean specialists that will respond to viral outbreaks across Cardea. Um, Cardea is a unique planet set in the distant future where you and up to four other players will compete to eradicate the planet's native pathogens. And if you're interested in a super fast-paced, fun, strategic game, I highly suggest you check it out. Awesome. Well, Lucas, really appreciate your time. Really appreciate you joining me here on the show. Good luck with the Kickstarter and uh, other games and everything else you got going on right now. Thank you. Yeah, and if you want to find more or learn more about Crisis on Cardea, you can go to Crisis on Cardea on Instagram, uh, Cardea on on Twitter, or Crisis on Cardea on Facebook. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, and that's Cardea, C-A-R-D-E-A, right? Yeah, C-A-R-D-E-A. Awesome. Thanks for listening. Hosting for the Board Game Design Lab podcast is sponsored by Quartermaster Logistics, the leader in crowdfunding fulfillment and warehousing. Check them out at qmlogistics.com and find all sorts of game design resources, bonus material, and chances to win free games at boardgamedesignlab.com. And until next time, keep designing, keep playtesting, and keep creating great games. Did I mention keep playtesting?